0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. This week we're going to talk about targeting. It's been a subject that's been coming up more and more in my other work and so we're going to talk about targeting both in rec and in tournament play. And during the riff I'm going to share with you some insights that we received from a tennis hall of famer that we recently, CJ and I recently spoke with. Stay tuned for the riff if you want to hear that. Let's get into the podcast. You'd like to help your friend or family member learn how to play pickleball but how now it's easy pick up a copy of play pickleball a beginner's guide it's the most complete guide to playing pickleball available as a digital download or in hard copy at intopickle.com or at amazon let's keep growing the sport let's talk about targeting so first let's define targeting targeting is where partner or doubles team has identified one of the players opposing them. So one of the players on the team that they're playing against and has decided to hit the balls to that player. So basically they're playing, say they're playing John and Bob and they've said, okay, Bob is the weaker player. uh, So, and no offense to any Bobs out there, just pick the name. So Bob's a weaker player. I'm going to, we're going to go after Bob here. And so they basically start hitting all the balls to Bob. Uh, That's targeting. And in rec play, targeting can be detrimental to everybody. And I'm going to explain that in a second. In tournament play, targeting is not just um, not just a thing you should do. It's a thing you must do. And I'll talk about that as well. But let's first address rec play and targeting a rec play and why targeting rec play is a detriment to everybody on the court. So what happens is, you know, again, we'll, we'll pick on John and Bob again. So you're playing John and Bob and you've identified Bob as being the weaker player. So what our tendency as humans and I, I like to refer to like the reptile brain or the lizard brain. I think it's our lizard brain wanting to, uh, you know, gather food for the winter, uh, you know, for, for gather food when there's scarce, scarcity. So we want to gather points. We want to win. We want to feel good. You know, that's that reward system that we're, we're built with. Our, our brains are kind of uh, wired, not kind of, they're wired that way. So what happens is as the game progresses, you know, either intentionally or unintentionally, we find ourselves hitting all the balls to Bob because our brain knows that if we hit the ball to Bob, we're more likely to win the rally and get points and you know gather the food that we need to survive the winter than if we hit the ball to John because John's a better player and let's assume you know the difference is stark. It's like you know Bob's a three 30 zero to three five player and John's a four five player. Um, so you know the, the the difference is so clear that that what happens is we will again intentionally, uh, oftentimes intentional, sometimes it's unintentional. Or say it's even, um, where you start hitting the ball towards Bob, uh, and so basically you're you're hitting the ball towards Bob and targeting Bob. Why is that detrimental? It's detrimental because it's it's not good for Bob, not because he's not getting balls, he's getting balls, but because you're because you're picking on him, right? And basically you're 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 isolating him, you're stressing him more than John, uh, you're making him carry all the weight. Any player who's played a tournament, a mixed doubles tournament. Uh, can tell you that, you know, when you're being targeted or any any situation where you're being targeted, it's just a stressful situation. So it's not a pleasant experience for Bob. What about John? Well, John's not having any fun, right? And so John's not hitting any balls. And what happens is if you have a player like John, and, and let's assume that everybody on the court is is around 3-5, except for John, who's a 4-0 four or 4-5. Four, um, what happens is a player like John just won't come back won't play anymore in that group, so the player, the, the group loses the better player coming to play with them, because John, I, I imagine John's not there just to stand around and watch Bob play the whole game, so it's not good for John. John gets no no fun out of that. He doesn't hit any balls, hit any balls, um, and it's also not good for the team that quote unquote won the game, right, or, or won that 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 match. Um, why is it not good for the team that won the match, the team that's doing the targeting? The reason is because. If you're out there, especially in rec and and practice games and things like that, you want to be challenged. You want to play the better player. You want to target the better player. Why? Because you want to see the balls that that better player sends your way, right? And when I say target the better player, you don't want to hit all the balls to the better player either, and I'll talk about that in a second. But you do want to give the better player some balls so that you get to see balls that come back your way in a way that maybe you're not used to seeing. Maybe you play with Bob frequently. Uh, So you're used to seeing Bob's balls, and you know what he's going to do, but you're not used to seeing the type of ball that John is hitting towards you, and that's a really, really important way to improve. That's that's such a gift to be able to see the balls from a better player. Uh, You know, I've had the good fortune of playing with players that are uh, better than me. You know, I mean, including up to and including you know Ben Johns, where I've had the opportunity to be on the court with Ben Johns, uh, helping him get ready for a tournament that he was going to play, and uh, just seeing the balls coming from Ben is just you know, opens your eyes to a whole different world of possibilities. So, you know, if you're playing with a player like a John, who's a you know better the better player on the court, make sure you give John some balls, not just for John's benefit, for also for your benefit, uh, so that you get the benefit of seeing the balls coming back your way, and you can learn from those shots. Now, I want to clarify something. I don't. I'm not suggesting you target John either, not because you know targeting John would be bad for you. But we also don't want to forget about bob so here's what you got to be careful you basically what you want to play is when you're playing rec play you want to play situationally you want to make sure that you're giving john some balls and giving bob some balls you're hitting balls situationally maybe your third shots are going to the moving player that way everybody gets some third shots your returns of serve if you hit them you know where we recommend which is that center line uh in the middle it, they're basically going to go to one player or the other player they're kind of going to switch around so it'll be some randomness to it so you won't be targeting so if you hit balls in a more situational kind of a way, uh, avoid targeting of Bob and avoid targeting of John. Then you'll give both of your opponents the opportunity to play the game and enjoy themselves on the court, which is, the, I think, correct thing to do for them uh, if they're out there playing with you. And you also get a blend, a sort of a blend of shots for you to deal with. You get shots that you're used to maybe from Bob and shots that maybe you're not used to from John that'll help you improve as a player. And remember one of the premises that we talk about a lot in this uh, in this uh, podcast is the, uh, you know, the Compete, Learn, Honor trilogy from Coach uh, Peter Scales. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, in terms of your opponents, you cannot play pickleball if you don't have opponents. So unless John and Bob are willing to get on the court with you opposite you on the court, you cannot play doubles pickleball, right? You might be able to play singles with your friend that's with you on your side, right? Or your partner on your side. But the only way to play doubles pickleball is to have two other opponents willing to stand on the court opposite you. So when they're willing to do that, Bob and John, honor them, right? Respect their time, respect their their, uh, their coming out to the court and playing with you. And make sure you don't target one of them. Make sure you avoid the tendency or the, the just the brain saying, you know what, let's hit the Bob. Because we're going to win if we hit to Bob, and kind of get out of that mindset. Understand the bigger picture of what you're doing out there on the pickleball court. Uh, understand the the importance of again respecting and honoring John and Bob's time and their willingness to play against you, and make sure that you're giving both balls, both of them balls, so that both of them are involved in the game, and avoid targeting when you're in rec play. In anticipation for the Pickleball Summit at the end of June, CJ Johnson and I will be having Pickleball Therapies live. So basically, this podcast live on YouTube and Facebook on Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You can join us on YouTube or Facebook. We'll be answering questions. We'll have a guest speaker. It's gonna be a lot of fun check out our pickleball therapy live by going to better pickleball on youtube and clicking that you're ready to 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 join our thing or go to vi pickleball on facebook and it'll be on there as well hope to see you at the live now that we have rec play out of the way what about tournament play what about targeting and tournament play tournament play is completely different than rec play tournament play is a everybody who signed up for tournament play has signed up to challenge and be challenged to the highest level possible you know to the the best of their abilities and so in tournament play kind of all bets are off in the sense that uh you know targeting is not just something that you might consider doing it's something that you absolutely should do and it is an error not to do when you are in tournament play again tournament plays are very different than rec play tournament plays you're not out there practicing you're not out there uh, you know, you're out there competing, and again, everybody who signs up for a tournament has agreed to those rules, the rules of engagement of a tournament. So, you know, in a tournament, w- you know, what I say when you're targeting in a tournament is, you know, not what I say, but what I tell my partner sometimes, is if there's a clear difference, so if there's, you know, again, let's use Bob and John again. If we're playing against Bob and John, and Bob is clearly our target, then kind of the way we frame it is we say, John is going to serve, John is going to return serve. If John hits any ball other than those, we probably made a mistake uh, because we've identified Bob as our target there. And uh, and in a tournament, we are going to target and we are going to hit that target again and again and again until the rally is over or until the match is over, I should say, um, because that is the way a tournament works. And in a tournament, again, it's it's an entirely different uh, framework than in rec play. So retain, uh, you know, kind of reserve targeting for when you're playing tournaments. If you're playing in a tournament, definitely consider targeting or using targeting if there's a reason to do so. In other words, if there's someone that you should target, definitely target them. And even consider targeting a side or a wing of that player that is more susceptible to uh, to attack and just keep going to that spot until you finish the match. That's the nature of tournament play. But in rec play, consider not targeting or avoid targeting uh, so that you make sure that both you and your opponents get the most benefit out of the play. You've studied the pickleball videos. Maybe read a pickleball book taking a lesson or two, but there's just something missing, something to complete the whole picture. That's where VI Pickleball comes in. VI Pickleball is the most immersive pickleball learning community available today. You can check out more information at wearepickleball.com. See you in the community. If you listen to our podcast, you know that we have a Pickleball Summit coming up at the end of June. As part of that process, we were ha- we had the pleasure of speaking with 17-time Grand Slam champion and Tennis Hall of Famer, uh, Gigi Fernandez. She is clearly one of the best uh, tennis players in the history of tennis and t- in doubles uh, tennis, right? And so we were chatting with her about pickleball because Gigi uh, discovered pickleball about four months ago, and she is charging headstrong into learning pickleball for herself. She's still doing tennis as well, but she's... She is uh, she she's a competitive uh, uh, player, competitive person, obviously with her experience in tennis, and so she wants to climb the hill of pickleball. So we had the opportunity to chat with her about some of the differences and similarities between tennis and pickleball, and uh, you know you'll you'll at the summit you'll hear everything she had to say, but I wanted to kind of tease it a little bit and share with you one of the insights that she had, which was. Not surprising to me, but the way she framed it was kind of, uh, uh, you know, really highlighted it for me uh, because I came from tennis as well into, into pickleball. But one of the things that she talked about, which was was movement on the court, and what she was talking about was how a player could, you know, if a player wanted to basically play both tennis and pickleball, how pickleball would benefit the tennis player. One of the ways would be, in addition to stroke mechanics, which you'll, you'll hear at the summit, but one of the ways was movement on the court and what she mentioned was that in tennis obviously a tennis court's bigger right it's about twice the size of a pickleball court maybe a little bigger but it's it's a you know twice size of a pickleball court so you have to cover more space but because in pickleball the ball doesn't bounce as high it doesn't come towards you you have to move towards the ball better you also have to get down more to hit it that improves your speed and agility so your footwork is faster and more agile as you play pickleball and so what happens is you can actually translate that to tennis so in tennis you'll be moving towards the ball better you'll be uh, having better footwork being faster having faster footwork being more agile and so your footwork will improve and it shows you how pickleball is a sport that requires really good footwork really good uh, agility to be able to get to the ball well and hit the ball well that's something if you haven't uh, checked out cj's uh, channel Petter pickleball in a bit make sure you go there and check that out and subscribe she has some good videos on that and if you really want to get into your footwork check us out at vi we are pickleball.com we have a whole module on footwork but footwork is so key to playing pickleball and it is one of the skills that pickleball translates well from pickleball to tennis think footwork is a good place to leave off this week, so make sure when you're out there working on your pickleball game, work on your footwork, work on your agility, make sure you're moving towards the ball. It'll definitely improve your game, pickleball, and if you still play tennis, tennis as well. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you rate it, please, on iTunes or any other platform that you listen to it. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends. Remember, if you liked it, they probably will too. Stay well and see you next week.